Welcome to episode 18. And in this episode, I want to talk about grief. It's something that's come up for me personally this week. And it's something that I talk about in my YouTube videos, in my group. And the process that you need to go through coming out of these emotionally abusive and narcissistic relationships. Welcome to the Mind Fuckery podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth, author of Finding Lily and the A to Z of Emotional Abuse. I'm here to remind you that love should be unconditional. Divorcing emotionally is life-changing and that you have a duty of care to yourself. Each week, I will discuss some of the terms you may hear along this journey and I will help you understand and process what's happening. I will help you find the best habits as you start to take back the control of your own life and learn the tools to heal on a deeper level, becoming the best version of yourself. When you come out of a toxic relationship, there are so many things that are going on in your body and your mind. And you're like a bit of a drug addict, I can't say that, um, or someone who's trying to give up an addiction, you have cravings, only your cravings are a person. So this week, uh, we lost a pet, a really beloved pet. And um, it shocked me at the grief process that I was going through. Now, I've talked about this on various different platforms, the grief process. And then I woke up this morning to a message about one of my courses, which is grieving the past, the present and the future. And I knew that this is something that I needed to talk about. So over the last couple of days, I have been hit by grief of losing a, a beloved pet and then I'll be continuing through my day in normal activities and all of a sudden a memory will pop up and uh, it's like a little bubble and then I'll be overcome with these emotions tears from nowhere and it reminded me of the process that I went through when I was grieving the ending of a relationship. It's so important because there are so many different elements to grief with emotionally abusive, toxic, narcissistic relationships. You get trapped in these relationships, you have no idea that the abuse is going on. Unlike a physically abusive relationship, when you know you're being hit, this is emotional abuse. It's done under the covers it's it's hidden away so we develop bonds i've spoken about this a lot for survival in our childhood it's usually with our caregiver they are the foundation of our attachment so when our safety is threatened in some way it's them that we turn to for support and protection so trauma bonding is one of the reasons that it makes it so hard to heal from toxic and emotionally abusive relationships. The damage caused puts us in a state of confusion and we, because we don't know this abuse is taking place. So this bonding happens, it happens in all types of relationships, but in these particular relationships, it's one-sided. So you bonded with them, they weren't able to bond with you and they probably had no intention of bonding because these relationships are all about power and control. So as I said, when our safety is threatened in some way, what we do is we turn to the people that we've bonded to because we believe they're there to protect us. These bonds can be created in hours, and I've quoted things like that. The film Sully, which was about the plane that landed on the Hudson River, and at the end of the film, the pilot is shown. It's it's a taken from a meetup that they had with all the passengers, and he said, "We're well, forever. We will be bonded by the events that happened on whatever. I can't remember what the date it was now, but this bonding takes place, and this is what happens with trauma bonding." 
and in the emotionally abusive relationships there's the cycle of abuse that happens the idealization devaluation and discard and you go round and round in this cycle and during this time you're being bonded so this idealization stage which um, where they're positioning themselves as the caregiver and they're showering you with the attention they're showering you with maybe gifts and days out meals this manufactured love it might be something that you've never experienced before and they're showering you in this positive way and then they pull back slightly and start devaluing you now the devaluation works in two ways initially they do it just to see how bonded you are so um, if you respond and pick up and notice the red flags and say something they'll say that you're too sensitive or they were only kidding and they take this and then they'll go back and they'll do a little bit more of the idealization but this is how this trauma bonding is created it they erode boundaries so they very gently test your boundaries to see where your boundaries are and then they'll push at them and push at them very gently and I had a sales director once he used to talk about um, stains on carpets and and how if we don't deal with something straight away we get used to it being there and he used to um, use a stain on a carpet as an example this is the same you get used to seeing it so if the stains on the carpet and you think oh, I'll clear it up in a minute or I really need to get somebody in to clean that or I need um, to buy something and you keep walking over it and walking over it you become accustomed to it and this is what happens in these relationships they push at these boundaries and and a little bit you give a little bit and then you give a little bit more and before you realize um, because it's done so subtly these boundaries have gone they've been demolished or they might use coercive control techniques where they're convincing you that other people are doing it so they don't understand why you would have an issue and they break you down in that way. So you believe that there's something wrong with you because everybody else is doing it. They then through this trauma bonding get you addicted to various different hormones and they use situations that release stress hormones as well. It's done with these very slight put downs or creating drama. They're manufacturing these emotions and they then play victim and you very probably believed everything was your fault. The pain you feel now runs deep within your soul and there will be very possibly a few childhood wounds that you had prior to the relationship that's allowed them to tune in it's like they've got this beacon or this um, programming that can spot childhood wounds and these wounds are much like a physical wound these emotional wounds hurt they cause pain during our lifetime but it leaves us without the emotional coping mechanisms that others have so it might be the reason that you don't feel whole and this is why it's so important or I believe it's so important that we track down these wounds because they allow us to heal on a level that we may have never experienced before that we can feel whole again and it helps us break these cycles so we can spot these people when they do turn up in our lives but remember if you've been wandering around with these wounds for decades, it's not going to happen overnight or within hours. You might have learned behaviours to protect yourself from being hurt. It might be that you need to work on some of your thought processes as well. So why is it important to grieve when no one's died? So grief, or the definition, because I love a definition of grief, is um, intense sorrow, especially caused by someone's death. So she's overcome with grief. It's similar uh, words are sorrow, misery, sadness, anguish, pain, distress, agony, 
torment, suffering, heartache, brokenheartedness, heavy heartedness, despondency. There's so many different other words that can describe grief. But from the definition of grief, how many of these emotions could you if you wrote them down, circle and say that you're experiencing, it might be a couple, it might be a handful, possibly you've experienced every single one of them as mortification, mourning, bereavement. At the end of an emotionally abusive relationship, you will experience so many different emotions that are foreign to you. And you might hear sounds or sounds even coming out of you that you would only believe that an animal could make. You might experience mood swings and you might have more questions than answers. But because of the very specific way that you've been treated and what you've been through, it is actually normal to have these ups and downs of emotions. It's as if your thoughts have been hijacked as well as your emotions as well. So every single layer has been infiltrated. Normal people don't treat each other this way. And another little point to bring into this is cognitive dissonance, where the perceptions contradict each other or contradict the information. So relevant information includes people's actions, their feelings, ideas, beliefs and values. So when they're put in a position where they experience this psychological stress, everything is going against how they feel, what they believe, their ideas and their values. According to this theory, when two actions or ideas are not psychologically consistent with each other, People will do everything that they can to change them until they become consistent. And this causes discomfort emotionally. It causes the brain to clash. I use clackers. It was something that was a game when I was growing up. Two plastic balls on a bit of string and you put them together and they clashed. And to me, this is cognitive dissonance. You've got two separate thought patterns that don't work. And what we need to do is blend them together until they do. The two thought patterns patterns in this process are what you've been told and what you were led to believe now with the information that's coming out and what you're experiencing is perhaps the person who is wearing the mask and now the mask has slipped the person behind the mask and the mask is created by the information at the beginning of the relationship so during that idealization stage You told them about your feelings, about your ideas, they understood your beliefs and your values. And now you've been shoved into this container and they've challenged you. And everything you believed to be true about them is now a lie. You're discovering all this information, uncovering who they really are, not who you thought they were. And this is why grieving is so important for your healing. No one died physically, but in a way, you're grieving the person you thought they were. You're grieving the life that you thought you were living, and you're grieving the future that you were promised. So you might have given up so much, and you've waited so patiently for the payout. And this is like that person waiting at the slot machine. You have invested your time and your money, your ideas, you've supported them, you stood by them, each and every time that they broke a boundary, that they violated you in some way. You were there because you were waiting like that person at the slot machine who's put in their coins. They're waiting. They're thinking the next time it's going to be the big payout. And that's what you're waiting for because you've been promised this future, a future that you created together. 
So as you stood there at your slot machine, pumping in your time and your energy, each time something went wrong and you wondered what was happening, they took you back round to that idealisation stage and you were reminded of the future that you have together, that you're planning, that you're working towards. You're told how good you are together, how you're meant to be together, how you're soulmates. And they take you back and they put you back on that pedestal and you wait for their ne- the, for the big win, the next payout. You re- might remember all the good times that you had together and the confusion between that person you thought they were and the person that they have proved themselves to be. And this is where that cognitive dissonance comes in. You're holding two con- conflicting thought patterns. Have you ever known a person who's died and they instantly become a saint? I've used this a few times. They might have been really horrible and they might have been really nasty, but nobody talks bad of them. It's as if after their death that people look around for something nice to say. They gloss over all of the horrible things, the abuse that happened, the vile temper that they might have had, the way they used to speak badly about people because you should never speak ill of the dead. Your mind is clouding over the abuse and presenting you with the good things that you had together. But it's also because you were told that you were so good together. It's like a, a form of mind control, isn't it? Where, you know, they keep repeating and repeating parrot fashion. You know, in Victorian times and later on, they used to do the times table by just repeating it. Once two is two, two twos are four. And they used to just repeat and repeat and repeat. So when they were asked by the teacher, what are two twos? They'd say four. It's just an instant because it's got drummed in. This is what happened in these relationships you're told so you need to start looking at grieving it might be that you have to grieve everything that you've created everything that you have done for them you put your life on hold for a promise and you're left with nothing they've walked away and it looks like they're living their best life and you're left picking up the pieces And this is part of that process. And what they were doing was creating a fake future with you, but you believed it. They've listened to what's really important to you. And then they've told you what they want. They've created this amazing future that you've got together. They've sprinkled just enough of your hopes and dreams in there to make you feel that it's your own. And then they've walked away and you're left grieving and this is why it's so important you need to grieve the past the past is the person you thought they were you need to grieve the present where you are now the life you should be living and the future the one that you've been promised and that you were creating and you've invested so much it towards and you might still be looking back believing that if you behaved in a different way or you'd said something differently that you'd still be together this is why you need to process what's happened and what you were promised and you need to help balance these thoughts that are keeping you trapped. There'll be days where your grief takes over and you lose the whole day or just out of nowhere you'll find tears rolling down your face. It's really, really important. I'm going to put a link to my course, um, Grieve the Past, the Present and the Future in the notes. Uh, You can also get it on my website, thedivorcesanctuary.com. Sit with these emotions and make sure you're grounding and processing what happened. Cognitive dissonance plays a huge part and it can keep you trapped. Your mind is trying to balance and this is why it's so important to stay in your body during these times because your 
brain will go searching. It's going out, it's looking for this information to prove that they were a good person, that you were the per that you're the reason that um, this relationship is broken down because that's what you've been told. You've been told that. Um, on a regular basis and it's been drip fed just like the times table it's been drip fed you were convinced that your soulmates you were told that this you're an amazing person and that you're supposed to be together and then very very gradually drip fed all the little things that they told you that were uh, they loved about you all of a sudden became things that they didn't like about you and it confuses like I said our brains want to process in a certain way they they want to be balanced. We, when people start challenging our ideas and our beliefs and our values, this is where we experience this psychological stress. And this is what makes it so hard to process. So step into your body and ground yourself. You can, the simple exercises like visualizing or imagining that you've got roots growing out of your feet into the earth like a tree and from your core from the center of your body a cord going up and doing exactly the same thing and attaching to the the into the universe into the sky so you're grounding that energy you can feel the nurturing energy of the earth um, coming up into your body and like it would nurture and feed a tree it's doing the same thing it can do the same coming down maybe you could use the sun to attach to and bring the golden energy down into your body but start looking at ways staying in your body because there you can see that they were abusing you where your ideas didn't match up where your beliefs didn't match up where they challenged your values where they broke down your boundaries personally I found journaling really good particularly in the mornings I used to wake up and write three pages it could be nonsense but it started to help me process another thing that I do say to um, some of my clients is to write out their story I also say it in my group as well the divorce sanctuary to write out your story and then and I'll, I'll put the link in as well. I wrote an article. If you haven't got my book, The Age Said of Emotional Abuse, I'll put the link to that below. But um, I did write an article for Thrive Global and I'll put a link to that. And you, it's that's really the basis of, of how I started to write the book. Start looking through your story and, and highlighting certain things. So it might be when you... Uh, we're going to a wedding or they every time it was Christmas or it was somebody's birthday they would disrupt or you might notice and you can start to see the patterns and you can start to highlight and then when you start to see the behavior and you can say and call it out for what it is there's the abusive cycle I can see how that pattern every time we got to this point you know he or she would take me back to this point and you you can start to see the patterns and once you start to be able to see that you can challenge the beliefs that you have about who they were remember there were two people there's the person they were pretending to be and the person they really were and you're still focused on the person they were pretending to be they're showing you now who they really were um, because through the discard they've moved on they found another victim more than likely but they're still portraying you as being at fault even though you have all the evidence in front of you to say you weren't you're still believing because you were drip fed like the times table one times one two times two 
you were drip fed over this relationship right the way through and I bet if you look back even through the idealization stage you will have seen boundary breaking and slight devaluation going on so it's so important to grieve you need to grieve the loss of the person they pretended to be you need to grieve the loss of the life you should be living at this moment they've gone off into the sunset and they look like they're living their best life and you're in a a mess on the floor that was my experience and you need to grieve the future that you were promised there is a way out I promise you just by doing some simple exercises staying in your body the grounding and the breathing having really honest conversations again I teach you how to do that in it stops here it stops now really really honest conversations another thing I teach you is the personal fault finder and befriending it that's in it stops here it stops now there's so many different techniques in that course it's um it's amazing so start coming into your body it's something that I probably say in every single podcast, every single video on YouTube, um, but it is really, really so important. I hope you found this useful. I hope this helps you work with this cognitive dissonance, work and grieve through this relationship. It's such an important part of the process of claiming back your life and working with these wounds that are very likely from childhood is going to change your life, I promise you. But it is about becoming real and raw now, sending you loads and loads and loads of love.